Welcome to Growth Marketing Today, where marketers, designers, and product owners level up their growth marketing chops from experts in today's top startups. Here's your host, Ramley John. Welcome to episode 84 of Growth Marketing Today. I'm your host, Ramley John, and I'm here on a mission to help marketers and founders like you sharpen their marketing skills by talking to some of today's top experts. Today I have Rodena. She is a paid social consultant. Now, social media advertising is a must if you're looking to reach new and targeted audience fast. Of course, it can be scary to move from an organic social strategy to putting actual real money on the table. So it's important to understand all the options. And in this episode, I talked to Rodena, a paid social consultant who has managed more than $30 million in ad spend. In this episode, you learn first, using paid social in the five phases of marketing. Second, how marketing trends have changed over time. And third, why customer retention can be more important compared to customer acquisition sometimes. Before we jump in, I just wanna thank those who made this episode possible. These folks help cover the cost of hosting and marketing tools so I can focus on getting amazing experts that you and I can learn from. Thank you for the sponsor for this episode, Referral Rock. It's a SaaS that helps businesses like yours unlock all the referrals you are missing out on. So stop waiting for word of mouth to just happen while letting those precious referral opportunities go to waste. Find out more at referralrock.com forward slash grow today, or you can find that link in the description to start a free trial or get a consultative demo. Stay tuned to hear more about Referral Rock later in the episode and a special offer they are giving you today. And if you're interested in getting an ad-free version of this podcast, you can go to patreon.com forward slash grow today to become part of my Patreon supporters. You get each episode at least one day before anybody else. You also get access to a private Slack group and also have video AMA calls with me if you'd like. Go to patreon.com forward slash grow today or find that link in the description to support the show. Enough about me, let's jump in in my chat with Dana. Hey everybody, I'm excited to talk to Dana about the stuff that she's working on. She is a paid social consultant. How are you doing? I'm good, how are you? I'm pretty good. It's not that bad and you know, I. I want to get to know, by the way, before we start, I, I love asking where you're calling from uh, today. Yeah, I'm in beautiful Austin, Texas. Um, it was wet and rainy earlier, but it's starting to clear up. Oh, that's great. I mean, can't be Toronto, Canada, right? It's yeah. snowing and raining. Oh my gosh. I We haven't had a winter. We have been in the 75 degree Fahrenheit weather um, in that range all winter. So I feel like it's a blessing and a curse. I, it's a blessing for me. I enjoy the summer and the spring. Like I like this weather all the time. So for people who like the winter, Austin's not for you. <laughs> it's so true. I, I gotta go visit Austin. I haven't been there. I heard the music and the food is quite oh, great. Yeah. You're missing out. You're missing out. Anyways, let's let's jump in. I would like to hear your story. I love hearing people's story of how they got started. You were just asking on why I started this podcast before we recorded this, but like, I love asking this question because I used to think that people's career journey is very linear, and I've learned that's wrong from my own personal experience, but from other people. But maybe you can share a bit about your story on how you became a paid social consultant. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's funny that you say that because I believe that I, when I was in college, I always wanted to do public relations. And that was the only thing I ever wanted to do. I was so obsessed with it that my biggest career goal at that time was 
I want to just make sure that I never leave public relations. Uh, and in the school of communications, like advertising and PR were always like head to head. They always seemed like they were two separate things. But as you get into the world of marketing, you realize how this marketing is this overarching umbrella and everything else lives underneath it. I help top digital brands like um, manage their paid social efforts. I've collectively managed about $30 million in ads. Uh, Yeah, it's quite a lot, but it's been really fun. I've activated brands on Facebook or I have managed about $500,000 monthly ad spend per client. Um, so I have a pretty var- various like variety of clients that I've worked with. And paid social has just, since the day I started doing paid social to now, it's just become this obsession. It gives you this adrenaline rush. I'm such a nerd about it that I want to be in it all the time. It's become fun for me. So when the agency became very, a lot more mature and, you know, things started to move, they they became a well-oiled machine. And I felt like, okay, I want to be back to basics. I want to continue to do media buying. I want to continue to be in the grid of it all. Uh, I decided to step away from the agency and kind of do my independent consultancy. And here I am a month into it, uh, just now doing this independent thing. And it's been awesome. I remember right when I decided to pull the trigger to do independent like work, I had nine different clients reach out who were interested. And it was strictly word of mouth, nothing like it wasn't anything that I had put out there. Like my LinkedIn still doesn't say that I'm doing this. I don't have a website. Um, so barely doing any marketing for myself at all. But it's been really great. It's crazy how there's this need of this like media buyer expert that is between an agency and between bringing it in-house. So clients that are really looking for a freelancer, it's been, it's been insane how much of a, a need that has been out there. So long story short, I've worked with several clients. I've helped several clients double, triple revenue on Facebook or decrease CAC significantly. Um, but now I'm really, really focused on bringing on clients that I feel truly passionate about and working with clients that I really feel like I can continue to help and grow. Wow, that's that's amazing. Uh, and in terms of the clients that you work with, uh, is there a particular niche or industry that you really specialize in? Yeah, I think um, direct-to-consumer brands, uh, e-commerce, direct-to-consumer, fashion and apparel brands are mostly the clients that I work with. But I have worked with a lot of different brands that you know need help on paid social, whether it be B two B, CPG, just tons and tons of brands from different industries. That's that's a great position to be at because, like, you know, I've I've had I had a friend launch a direct consumer brand, and it's like, oh, can you help with Facebook ads? I need some awareness or acquisition. And traditionally, when people see social ads or paid social. They see it more as like, oh, it's more awareness and trying to get people at the top of the funnel. How do you see paid social as fitting into the whole customer journey? And and not just, you know, it, is, it just, is it just used for the top of the funnel where it's trying to get brand awareness or is it more holistic throughout the whole funnel? Yeah, thank you so much for asking that question. That's a really good question. A lot of the brands that I work with, you know, Facebook becomes a huge or is a huge, huge part of their business. Like a lot of the brands have, Facebook is either 30 to 40 to 50 
or even like sometimes 80% of their revenue. So it's very important for Facebook to do its job for their brand to be successful. And majority of the times, you know, marketers look at the marketing mix in a funnel perspective where it kind of, which is not bad. I mean, I think that's the most popular way of looking at it, but it kind of like insinuates that the customer journey is linear, but it's anything but linear, right? It's a very uh, non-linear journey. And the way I look at it is it like um, a very circular journey. I feel like it's it has five different phases for me where I feel like each phase needs to get zoned into and each phase needs that special attention because Facebook and digital channels allow you to build relationships with your customers and actually have conversations with your customers. For example, Ramley, if I met you, I told you who I was. Hey, I'm Hodana. Like, right. And then I met you again and I said the same thing again. And then I met you again and I say the same thing again. You're going to be like, oh my God, this lady is so boring. She has nothing else to say, right? So think about it that way. Like your brand is meeting people and Facebook is... Facebook, Pinterest, and all these paid social channels is like amplifying you. They're letting you meet these people. They are your networking area, right? So when you meet people, you want to say, okay, hey, this is who I am. And then the second time you meet them, you speak to them differently. Um, So to understand your playing field, I like to look at this journey in five phases and then understanding like, how do I communicate with these people? differently on each of those phases. So let me kind of dive in a little bit more into what these phases are. So you're familiar. Um, So to me, there is an initial consideration phase. These are people who have never heard of you before. These are people who don't know what your brand does and you don't, they don't know what you offer. So when you meet them for the very first time, and this is considered like your top funnel, right? On your funnel place. These are the people you want to say, okay, hey, this is who I am. And there's a way of communicating that. Like maybe there's, this is where you test in terms of what type of messaging, what type of creative works for you. For some of my brands, it works really well to just talk about, hey, this is who we are. Here's a picture and that's it. And it gets them into the next phase. But some brands need to share a video of who they are and why someone should work with them as that first initial consideration phase. So test on messaging and creative there. Identify who that initial consideration phase audience is and then test different creative and messaging on that phase. Then it goes into this next phase where it's sample selection. So a customer now is... There's plethora of people out there and brands out there that might be doing the same thing as you. They might be doing something similar as you, or they might be looking at a different competitor that's doing something drastically different than you. So you want to be in that sample selection phase. So you want to be in a phase where you're you're chosen to be in a bucket with others. And in that phase, you're competing with others. From your initial consideration phase, you go to the sample selection phase. And in that sample selection phase, how do you stand out amongst others? So you want to be able to say something that makes you stand out. So a lot of the times I see what has been successful for my brands and what has been successful that I've been seeing on Facebook is just talking about, hey, this is all the press that I've gotten. I'm featured in this. Hey, like I'm made in the US. Like we're not a fake company. 
you know, we're real. We have high quality. We're well known. These are what our testimonials are, what our clients are saying or customers are saying about us and using that in your messaging. And then you go into this active evaluation phase where you're put into a bucket. Now people are trying to decide, okay, should I go with this one, two, three, and they're narrowing you down. And maybe they have narrowed you down with two other competitors or one other person. And they're trying to decide whether they should go with you or somebody else. And in this phase, you also want to test your messaging, your videos, your images. You want to test how do I win out the competition here? Um, Once they pick you, they convert. And once they've converted, like most in a funnel strategy, you're you're done, right? They've converted, you're done. But that's, that's not it. There's so much more. Because if you advertise on Facebook, you know how expensive it is to win the audience. It's so expensive to continue to win the same audience over and over again. So you want this this conversion phase to turn into this loyalty loop. So after someone converts, you want to look at their post-purchase experience. You want to look at, okay, what does the checkout flow look like? What does the landing page post checkout flow look like? What emails are going out? And, you know, maybe you want to have a loyalty campaign for people who have just purchased and you're just thanking them for saying, hey, thank you for making a purchase. So people continue to have a relationship with you and your brand and they remember you the next time they want to purchase and they remember you when they were buying it for somebody else or they remember you when they're telling somebody about you. So you want to give them this holistic experience where somebody can tell you that, oh yeah, the moment I clicked on their website, I knew that this is what I wanted to buy from here. I love their product. I love the value they drive as a brand. So I feel like the customer journey is so much more complicated than just the just the funnel itself. That's that's great. Thank you for sharing that. That really went in, in depth. I find fascinating that you said that you know you people need to be focusing on not just fin- ending the whole journey at the purchase point, but also loyalty. Because in your blog post that you wrote on, on, on a Medium blog post, which I'm going to link in this show notes, you, you quoted McKinsey's study that posted that a lot of brands and categories are actually have customers that are less loyal than before, right? Right, right. And, you know, it goes back into, you know, a conversation and it goes back into like, a lot of these brands are not loyal. Like in the McKinsey study that I was studying through, I, by the way, I love McKinsey. I love the stuff, the stuff they put out there. And they're the one who introduced me to this customer journey phases. And like, uh, it's changed the way I look at things. But basically one, in one of their studies, they mentioned that, you know, people are loyal to mobile carriers and which is true. Like if you're an AT&T user, it's so hard to get out of that thing that you're going to be a lifer. Like you'll be an AT&T customer forever. Um, so, and, and that kind of goes on with a lot of other like users, especially or a, a lot of like T-Mobile, Verizon and AT&T, because there's only like primary um, like providers that you can go with. You only have limited options there. Um, same thing with auto insurance, same thing with investments there. These are like big, clunky things that they're difficult to get out of. Um, Also that you just, they're so like high intent that you have to evaluate so deeply to figure out if you want to move over into something else. But everything else is 
people are always shopping. Nobody is shopping at a certain time. Nobody's loyal. Everyone is always shopping. So how do you make these people be even slightly loyal? Knowing the fact that your customers will, once they purchase, they will leave and try to shop again, regardless of how loyal this customer is. I mean, I do it, right? Maybe you do it. Like I, I have certain brands that I always shop from, like Lululemon. I will always shop for my apparel from there. But when I'm looking to go find some yoga tights or yoga apparel, I'll go look at Aloe Yoga. I'll go look at like different yoga spots just because like I have the freedom and flexibility to do that, right? And with Facebook, the good and the bad thing is once you buy from one, all these other advertisers are going to be following you and they're going to be showing you their ads. So as a customer, you have endless options. You can pick anything. But if you had a really good relationship with your existing brand and your product added value to them, then you know there's a higher chance of that person, regardless of how, much, how, many, how many different vendors they go to, they will come back to you because they trust you. They know your quality is good. They know that other people are talking about you and the other people feel the same exact way about you than they do. And they'll come back. So there's a way of you keeping your loyal customers. And there's a way of making sure that customer relationship is very, very strong. And in that similar blog post, I know you already offer some suggestions, but what are other things that people can show post-purchase to those folks that already made a purchase? Some of the things that I, I remember reading is like, you know, offering like a survey or, or other things like that. Yeah, I think a few things that have worked for my brands in the past. One of them is, you know, creating a post-purchase campaign in Facebook, figuring out, okay, what does that post-purchase campaign look like? Are you just thanking your customers for making a purchase? Are you sending them a survey like, hey, thank you for making a purchase. Can you do this quick survey of like what you liked, what you didn't like? Maybe there is a way of just conversing and having a conversation either on email, either on Facebook or whatever. Maybe you sent them a mailer, just thanking them. Maybe when you are when you send the package, write a thank you note in it. It's talking about um, personalization. It makes me feel wanted, right? Have a hand if you're small enough. Have a handwritten note saying thank you for your purchase. Tell them why they're awesome. Give them coupons of hey, come back and make a second purchase. A lot of brands do this. Some brands send coupons, and some brands send handwritten notes. Some brands do these thank you videos of owners actually talking to their brands or their customers. So there's a huge opportunity in terms of how we can do the post-purchase tackling. That's so true, right? Like, I think, I think I'm starting to, like, if I had to summarize it, sometimes brands treat their customers like just as a customer number versus actually treating them like a relationship. Like, you know, one of the examples that you brought is like, imagine somebody coming up to you and, and repeatedly saying, hello, my name is Ramley. My name is Ramley. Like you're starting, you you kind of get annoyed at some point. Like, does this person have amnesia or, or something like that? Yeah, exactly. Like one of my brands that I recently started to partner with, um, when I took over their account, a lot of their like prospecting, retargeting, uh, DPA messaging was exactly the same. Uh, their creative was very, very similar. And making minor tweaks and they were barely hitting 
a one-to-one return on ad spend and making minor tweaks to their campaigns and doing segmentations between targeting literally changed their ad account. I, it, I've, I'm seeing a 4X return on ad spend on their, you know, on prospecting, retargeting, all of these things because we're actually having conversations now. You know, we're not telling people the same exact thing, showing them the same exact thing, right? It's more of like, okay, this is who I am. I've been in business for 19 years. People know that I've, I'm credible, right? I've had endless press. So people know that, hey, this is something that this person has actually spent time thinking about. This is not just a product that's drop shipped, right? It's a product that actually like curated. People care about it. It's like the quality is really good. And being able to talk about that, I think what people struggle with the most is talking about themselves. I mean, I struggle with that, right? But brands themselves, like you, number one thing is build a really, really strong narrative about who you are, what you're offering, and why people should buy from you. When we come back in just a moment, Hudena shares how you can use paid social to get customers to make a purchase again on your website. I just want to thank the sponsor for this episode, Referral Rock. Sponsors like this help cover the cost of hosting, tools, and other costs to running this show. Now, everyone wants the coveted viral loop just like Uber and Dropbox. And what do they have in common? A referral program. Referral Rock helps businesses that don't have time to build their own referral program. You can design programs to automatically invite your customers and get them to share more often. Referral Rock provides all the tools necessary to run a high-performing on-brand referral program. You can drive even more referrals by sending them to special campaigns and with new incentives. Don't worry, you don't have to be a seasoned marketer to use Referral Rock. Every account comes with a dedicated customer success manager that can help you put all the best practices in place that fits your business. Find out more at referralrock.com forward slash grow today to start a free trial or get a consultative demo. Now, if you don't like ads like this, you can sponsor this episode for as little as $2 per episode on Patreon. You also get each episode a day before everybody else and be part of a private Slack group where I can answer any of your questions. And if you wanted to do a video call each month with me, then you can do so. You can sponsor this episode on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash grow today or find that link in the description of this show. Well, enough about this. Let's jump back into my chat with Hudena. And that's something that, that I see as well is that I think a lot of brands have a tendency to pursue, try to pursue new customers all the time. And what you're saying and what I'm hearing is that you can, you know, some brands can actually make more by trying to get past customers to buy again. Is that, is that right? Yeah, exactly. Like it's really expensive to do the prospecting thing, right? It's really expensive to get somebody who's never heard of your brand and getting them to convert, but it's very cost effective to bring people in that already know your brand and love your brand. So it's just basically build prospecting so they can become your loyal customers. How do you pitch that to to founders or to people who are in the leadership team um, that have the mindset that, you know, we always need the goal of marketing or the goal of ads should always be about acquiring and prospecting uh, and and you come along, do you do you say to those kind of clients, like, you're not my type of client? Or do you what, would you try to educate them about like a, a better way to actually grow uh, the revenue and sales? So the thing is, 
I agree with the founders, right? Like in a way that I do agree that it is about new customer acquisition, but you need to identify what channel is focused on that as a brand. So if Facebook is your primary new customer acquisition channel, cool. Let's figure out how to dial the rest of it in so Facebook is successful. Like how do we get the, or what happens after I'm bringing in these customers? What happens after Facebook has done its job, right? Um, so for me on Facebook, I likely don't target our existing customer bases because I'm hoping that email will do that for me. I'm hoping that Google will do that for me. I'm hoping that like, oh, all these other channels that the brand has activated will do that for me. Maybe it's the direct mail things that are going out will do that for me. So as a marketer and as a consultant, I will work with my client on, hey, let me look at your marketing mix. Let's kind of dive into it together. Cool that I'm aligned that Facebook will be primary prospecting channel and all we will focus on is when new customers. Let's do it. But now let's talk about what is going to happen after all of these customers are coming in? What happens with all this traffic? How are we converting them? What does your website flow look like? What does your email flows look like? What does your Google look like? What do other channels like Pinterest and Snapchat and all these emerging platforms like TikTok, what do those look like? How do we actually dial in this customer journey and make sure that we are actually targeting all of these people? I want to talk about mobile because that's something that a lot of people have been, you know, a lot of people are now, nowadays are shopping more and more on mobile. You know, Shopify just posted up their Black Friday stats. And I, I think they, this is the highest uh, year where most purchases through Shopify stores were through mobile. I'm curious how that would fit in and how you adjust your your strategy based on how everybody's now on mobile? Yeah, I mean, great question. Mobile is just so important, right? And I think most people already know that, but we don't put it in perspective. Like to put things in perspective. So on Facebook's Q3 earnings call, they said that their mobile ad revenue was about $16.4 billion, right? The, year, the quarter before that, it was about 15 billion. The quarter before that, it was about 13. So the this amount is like contributing to be about 94% of their total ad revenue, which is insane to think, right? So as marketers, what we need to do is design for mobile first. And we keep saying that. We keep hearing that in every article. And we still fail to figure out hey, how do we defer desktop from mobile? For me and what my consulting to my clients is, anything that I look at, it needs to be mobile first. I don't even look at the desktop preview. I will only look at the mobile preview on ads to make sure that things are going smoothly. When I audit a website, the desktop is the second thing I'll look at. I'll look at it on my phone first and make sure that, hey, this is working really smoothly. Cool. If not, let's figure out a way to optimize this for mobile. It, you won't believe how many times we've done site speed tests and most of the brands will fail on mobile, but they will like pass with flying colors on desktop, right? It's just because it's easier for us as operators to work on desktop. Like we forget that, okay, most people are not doing that. You yourself are not shopping on desktop. You may convert on desktop, but you're 
purchase, like you're scrolling on your phone all the time to buy for some, buy something. One thing that I, that I recommend people to look into is stories on Facebook about, there are about 3 million advertisers across Facebook, Instagram, and messenger stories. Um, and 500 million daily active users on just Instagram stories alone. So there's a huge opportunity here for us to meet our customers where they are in a very native way. People are scrolling through their stories and looking at just their their friends. And then randomly an ad will pop up. But if you design your ad well enough, they will think it's a native thing. They will think it's a friend who's posting something, right? So think about how you can become a friend to your customers. That's an interesting way you put that. I've heard some suggestion that ads should come from like a page, but from one of the founders instead of the actual brand. I mean, I'm guessing it really depends, but like, what are your thoughts on that? Like an ad coming from, you know, a page created that that profile picture is of the founder versus like actually from the brand page. Yeah, I mean, I think I have like conflicting thoughts about that because yes, it could work really well, but it might hinder the brand quality itself. Some founders are not as public and they may not want to do that. I think there you can easily build assets that will use your brand and your brand logo and your brand content, but still be personable. It doesn't have to feel like an ad. It's okay if it comes from the brand's name or brand's logo, as long as the ad content itself feels very native and very well thought out. That's something that I've also realized. And I, I come from more B2B SaaS and a lot of those ads there are very mechanic and doesn't feel personal. What would be your advice coming from more the uh, direct-to-consumer side on how ads can be crafted to be more personal, like you're actually coming across as a friend? Yeah, I mean, I think there's so many ways of doing that. Um, I think influencer marketing really helps. Using influencers to do use their content in ads really helps. And using showing products in use will really help. Um, a lot of the times people... Like this may work really well for most. Like sometimes if I just put a picture of a box of the product, it will do miraculously well. But sometimes where it may need more explaining than a person using the box of the products is a lot more like doable than anything else. Like there are these ads that I'm seeing lately is like someone giving a present to their loved ones. And once they receive that present, they'd like just jump up and start laughing and like they're super happy. And it's just this, it feels very native, right? Like you made a video of a friend, like getting an, getting a pro, like a present, but really you're showcasing what present they got, you know, whether it be a Peloton bike or something big, right? So it's more of how did you get that present? And people are now focused on oh, that feel makes me feel good, that present that I got, whatever that present may be. And that reaction is what I want someone else to get. So that's those type of things where it's people actually reacting to something. Uh, people like making it more emotional, driving to emotion really makes it more personable. That's a great example. I'm also curious on what you think about videos coming from mobile phones versus like, 
overproduce like you know using like six grand camera that's like nice lighting versus something that looks more real and like the, it might not be perfect but it actually feels like authentic yeah i love that i love i recommend that to my clients i i don't need a full produced like hundred thousand dollar video i don't need that use your phones our phones are very, very capable i mean of course you don't want it to be blurry and like crappy quality you still want it to be a good quality but you can use your phone and see how that converts there are so many apps on your phone that you can just edit things on i do that all the time we use the apps to just edit things up and put it into ad make it ad ready the good thing about facebook and these paid social channels is you iterate so quickly you test, you learn, you iterate, and you do it so quickly within a couple of weeks. And it gives you direction into like, okay, this is what my audience is responding to. Maybe this should be my broader strategy. Maybe this should be uh, included on my email. This should be included on Google, whatever other channel you want to use it on. I'm, I'm also curious about what your thoughts are about video. I know you talked about stories and you know a lot of social platforms are not prioritizing video over other things. Do you suggest you start off with video or like what kind of like asset mix do you use to like promote a product? Yeah, I think a lot of the a lot of the advertising is going video first, but I think images are still a thing. Like you should still utilize still images. What I do when I'm launching a brand is I will launch a video, a carousel, a single image, a collection ad. I will launch all of those in one ad set and one campaign and I'll see how what is responding to me and I'll test that in my different phases of my journey so I'll look at my different uh, targets and I will test different types of creative different types of messaging at the get-go and I'll understand okay this is type of messaging for example um, a video with featured in GQ messaging works really well on retargeting but hey, the single image that talks about who the brand is, hey, we are X, Y, and Z, and we have, you know, this many five-star reviews, or this is what our customers are talking about us. This performs really well in re-prospecting. So now you have a direction of how to edit your content for your audience specifically. I want to talk about that as well as is, you know, you talked about the customer journey itself. What I'm picturing in my head is like your the prospecting piece is you get them on the site, but then the next stage you kind of retarget those people who actually click on the ad and visited your site. Is that is that how your process is working to like actually getting that sale? Yeah. So we'll re we'll prospect someone. We'll bring them to the site. We'll bring them to the product. Once they've come to the site and if they've come to the product, then you create different segments of targets how their activity on the site was, and then you target them through that activity. What's your suggestion about scaling the budget? Because I'm guessing, and I'm getting into the details here, I'm guessing in the beginning, you're when you're testing out which asset is going to work the best, you're probably spending only a little bit of dollars in each one. And then once you figure out the winner, then you blow, blow up your budget. Is that correct? Yeah. So I think Facebook's algorithm has changed significantly in the last few years. And it, it's been good and bad for certain things. I think scale that we used to see as like we used to be able to scale fast and we can't do that as much anymore. But, you know, 
it is a lot more sustainable performance that you're seeing with, with the changes on the algorithm. So those massive before, for your example, I would be able to add $1,000 on an ad set on top of the thousand that I was already spending and it would be fine. And I would continuously add 1,000, 500, 200 and throughout the day to scale and it would be fine. Now it's very different. You wanna think about completing your learning phases. You don't have to complete it every single time. It's not to say that every single time you don't complete a learning phase, your ad sets don't perform. I don't think that's true. I think that you do need to think about that. You do need to keep that in consideration. You do need to simplify as much as you can your account. You don't need tons and tons of campaigns running or tons and tons of ads running. You need to simplify your account structure, use campaign budget optimization, and increase sparingly. Increase by a certain percentage on spend on your campaign level. Utilize minimum and maximums on your ad set level. If you're running a CBO campaign and you know one, and this happens way too often, only one to two of your ad sets get all of your spend, right? And they're not doing as well. And then the other three or four that you've thought so much about, they're not getting any spend. So maybe add a minimum of spend on your ad set level and add a maximum on the one that's spending a lot. So you are now kind of playing the field with your CBO campaign with trying to get the non-spending ones to spend and the ones that are spending, you're trying to control spend on that. So there's a lot of like playing around that goes on that you can still do even with these learning phases that have limited you from making changes. And when you're talking about learning phases, like people may not be aware that the fix Facebook pixel, the little code that people insert into the website, it's actually super smart, right? It, it, like Facebook is trying to figure out who is the best kind of users or Facebook users are the ones who are more likely to accomplish your specific goal for that campaign. I'm really curious about what that starting budget, you know, let's say a, a client comes up to you like, you know, what it what would be the minimum um, spend per month for them to actually start seeing results? Or can they start seeing results, you know, if they only have like $500 budget for, for paid social? That is so difficult. To <laughs> yeah, I know this. Uh, because every client is so, so, so different. For example, like I had a clothing boutique that I was working with and their ROAS was 400%, 500%. It was insane. And then we worked with a brand that was almost exactly like that brand owned by the same parent company. And their return on ad spend was 1x, 1.2x. And they were selling essentially the same things. And their audience was essentially the same. And it still mattered in terms of like, okay, you got to run this very differently because the experience of a brand is very different. The brand, like affinity of each brand is so different. So it's very difficult to say, I just got off a call with somebody who is now launching a new brand and their activation goal is to be profitable, to be hitting that 1.5. But then there's other brand that I'm working with, very similar industry. And their goal is to be, oh, I just want to hit a 0.5 return on ad spend. Right. So it's varies from 
whether it be high scale or someone who's just getting activated, it just varies. It's so difficult to say how much you can spend. You can succeed with $100 a day ad spend, or you're going to need $10,000, like uh, whatever, $10,000 a day to succeed, right? It just varies. It's really hard to say how much people should be spending when they're getting started. No, that's that's good. That's good, right? It really, you're right. It really depends on how mature or how old the brand is. If it's a totally new brand, you probably need to spend a little bit more to actually get people to know your brand versus somebody something that's more more mature than people are actually already have trust with the brand. Exactly. I think but if I had to had to had to recommend something, um, I would just say maybe a thousand day try that out. I think $100 a day is just so small. But uh, I know a lot of brands who are doing that. I work with brands who are doing that $100 a day. Uh, but there, it's just so small to see any scale. And then you're spending, I would think about it this way, quantity versus uh, quality versus quantity. So when you're spending low amounts, that means you have a full-on prospecting, retargeting, and DPA running but because you're spending $100 a day, you're splitting that where only a little bit of money is going into each of those campaigns. So you're spending a little bit and you're not getting any returns. So I rather make it really simplified and add a lot more budget versus a quantity ads with a very little budget. I want to wrap up um, now. We're just asking two questions. The first question is, what would be your one advice to marketers who don't might not have a lot of experience with Facebook ads and paid social? Uh, what would be your one piece of advice to them? Be patient. It does come through. Like, Don't make changes immediately and really vet out your target market and reach out to people. I, I know you said one and I have like a million, but... <laughs> understand your target market and really have a conversation with people. Don't try to sell for the sake of just showing the product and selling. So really show your product and show the value it can drive and be patient. It will come if your brand is good. That's good. Really good. And one final question, where can people find out about you and your work online? Yeah, like I mentioned, I haven't really needed a website or anything like thankfully but most people have just reached out to your, uh, over linkedin and i love conversations i love meeting people even if it doesn't work out of us partnering together i'd love to have conversations with different brands and you know just see what everybody else is seeing in the market so reach out to me on twitter or linkedin awesome well thank you so much for your time i really appreciate it yeah thank you well that's it for this episode let me share with you my three key takeaways First, retention is king. A lot of brands have a tendency to pursue new customers all the time. Some brands can actually make more money just by trying to get more customers to buy again. Second, optimize your website and ads for mobile. Hodina said that she will only look at mobile preview on ads to make sure that things are going smoothly. And when she audits a website, the desktop is the second thing she looks at. And third, a lot of advertising is going video first. So think about using video for not just your social ads, but also for organic content. But experiment with different content types, such as images, carousel, and a collection of ads. Now, did I miss something from this episode? Share with me your takeaways. Uh, I, you can find me on Twitter at Ramley John or email Ramley at growtoday.fm. Before I end, I just want to thank those who made this episode possible. Now, these folks help cover the cost of hosting marketing tools so that I can continue to get amazing guests and experts that really you and I can learn from 
So I just want to thank the sponsor for this episode, Referral Rock. Once again, it's a SaaS that helps businesses like yours unlock all the referrals you are missing out on. So stop waiting for word of mouth to just happen while letting those precious referral opportunities go to waste. Find out more at referralrock.com forward slash grow today, or you can find the link in the description to start a free trial or get a consultative demo. I also want to let you know if you don't like ads like this, you can get an ad-free version of this podcast. You also get each podcast episode a day before everybody else have access to me in a private Slack group and also have video AMA calls with me if you'd like. Go to patreon.com forward slash grow today to sponsor this show for as little as $2 per episode. Well, that's it for this episode. Until the next one, this is your host, Ramley John. And as always, keep on growing. Passion.